Welcome to the Whatcom Dads Podcast, the show where we try to cover up our own parenting mistakes by offering some suggestions on things that you might want to try at home. I'm Chris Roselli. I'm Nathan Dwyer. And I'm Mark Bagley. This week, we talk car seats with Erica Littlewood, the local coordinator of child passenger safety. We discuss parents sharing their hobbies with their kids. And on Whatcom Dads Recommend, we share movies we like to watch with our kids. Before we move on too far, I listened back to last week's episode, and I would like to ask a question of Mr. Roselli. Could you please, please tell me a little more about the Rainbow Singers? Oh my gosh, that was phenomenal. And the way your dad raved about how good you were, you were the best one there. Yeah. Yeah. Spill it, please. I, uh, wait, 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 wait. Wait, Chris, can you sing your answer to us? Uh, I can sing the opening song when we would come out on stage for you. Go. Rainbow, rainbow, bright with colors, shines a promise through the sky, spreading sunshine all around us. No more darkness, only light. And we would sing and do hand motions and everything else. (laughs) We sang a bunch of uh, Christian-based songs based off of uh, these, uh, these, these records called Kids Praise. And uh, we would travel throughout the state and um, sing at festivals and uh, and and nursing homes and things like that. We were just a bunch of kids that uh, that sang and brought joy to the world. And um, so anyway, so yes, I was a rainbow singer, and uh, uh, yeah, I sang my first solo. I think I was four. It was uh, it was one of the the things I did. I played sports and I sang songs on stage. That uh, so. Yeah, that was pretty darn fun to be able to interview my dad. And it was really incredible to be able to hear your dads also be interviewed. Um, obviously, uh, I've met both of them, really great men. So it was neat to hear their perspective. And Banks, your dad did awesome. He did great. Yeah, yeah he's, like you said on the podcast, he's, he's a man of few words and always has been. But I think he did enjoy talking a little bit and reminiscing about uh, life long ago. And he, I think he made a good point. He was saying that, you know, with his job as a school teacher, he was always home by four o'clock and that really probably made a difference. It made a huge difference. I mean, he's always at every, all of my practices and all the games on the weekends and uh, in the summer, you know, he taught summer school, but it was home by noon on summer, summer days and he had all the vacations that we had off. So it was a talk about a great profession for a dad. It was ideal as a kid to have a dad who was a teacher. So I got some interesting news this past week. I received in the mail a pandemic unemployment assistance approval from the state of Kentucky. Whoa. Have you been moonlighting as a uh, whiskey brewer? Actually, I'm a (laughs) jockey at Churchill Downs. Uh, Yeah, a place I've never lived, I've never worked, and obviously someone has taken the identity of one Mark Bagley and applied for unemployment insurance in the state of Kentucky. So I spent all of this past week emailing and calling 
of course, to no avail, to let them know that I am a victim of fraud and they should not be paying the $569 per week that someone is now banking using my information. So that, that's how I spent my week. Maybe it's the Van Winkle family has uh, claimed unemployment benefits. We could trade the unemployment for some pappy. There you go. That might work. The greatest bourbon in the world. I just read another article about it. In the world. Can you imagine having that title? Like, what do you do? Oh, I make the greatest bourbon in the world. So, guys, next week we are going to be interviewed by our good friend Ross, who is an expecting father. And so we're going to turn the tables a bit, and he is going to ask us some questions that he is wrestling with as he awaits the birth of his of his first child. So something for us and the listeners to look forward to. We'll get to see how hard it is to be on the other side answering the questions as opposed to asking them. Actually, we did get interviewed by KGMI a couple weeks back. I'll put a link to that interview in our show notes. But how did you find that experience where you and I had to answer some questions on local radio about this podcast? I thought that Mr. Joe Tehan was uh, very kind to us and asked very good questions. And it was actually a lot of fun. Yeah. So feel free to check that out. Now for a word from our sponsors. Robinson and Cole Attorneys is proud to be a sponsor of the Wacom Dads podcast. Located in downtown Bellingham, Robinson and Cole has been representing the injured and disabled of Wacom County since 1979. If you or someone you know has been injured in an auto accident or suffered an on-the-job injury, call Robinson and Cole to schedule a free, no-obligation video consult with one of their five attorneys. Their attorneys have over 100 years of experience litigating cases against insurance companies and the Department of Labor and Industries. Call 360-671-8112 to schedule an appointment. So this week, we are joined on the Whatcom Dads podcast by Erica Littlewood. She is a regional coordinator for the Child Passenger Safety Program for a multi-county area that includes Whatcom County. And today we're going to talk about car seats. So, Erica, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Thank you for inviting me. Just can you tell us a little bit about yourself, how long you've lived in Whatcom County? So I've lived in Whatcom County for 31 years, uh, mostly, well, in Bellingham the whole time. And I've my kids are 24 and 27, both both born and raised here, went through schools here both left Bellingham after they graduated high school, but love to come visit. So I've been a child passenger safety technician and instructor for uh, 15 years. And so I became a technician after my kids got out of car seats. And I wish I'd known what I know now when my kids were, were in car seats. Um, so I really like helping other families make sure that their kids are are riding safely. And so Erica, the services that you provide actually are parents coming to you and you helping them physically adjust and put in a car seat in their car? Correct. So, so child passenger safety technicians, you know, we're throughout the state of Washington, throughout the United States and um can be can be tricky to find us sometimes, especially in counties where there aren't very many technicians. And families set up a time to 
to meet with us and well, which is remote right now that during COVID I've been doing FaceTime and Zoom, which actually works incredibly well. I was skeptical at first, but but really the the caregivers, the family does the work. So even if we meet with a family in person, they're the ones that are hands-on with the seat because of course we want them to be familiar with the seat. So yes, we meet one-on-one. I also do uh, lots of trainings. I train hospital staff, fire EMS personnel, um, transporters, you know, social services, transporters, uh, all kinds of agencies that work with kids, drive kids around. So I, I do lots of group group trainings also. And the meetings with technicians, those are free for families? Yes, those there's no charge for meeting with a technician. So Erica, what is the most common mistake parents make when installing a car seat? So so you asked that question and my mind runs through a hundred different things that I see that I see commonly, maybe not a hundred. There, there are a couple of things that are, that are pretty common. Um, one is a lot of people think that they need to use the lower anchors for the seat. Uh, that's a, that's a pretty common misconception. People think that they have to attach the car seat using the lower anchors, but which is the, you know, the hook that comes on the car seat that attaches to kind of a U-bolt in the, in the base of your vehicle seat. And that's not the case at all. Um, You can use either a seat belt or the lower anchors. Can't use both, which is also a really common misuse that we see where people think it's safer to use both the lower anchors and the seat belt. Not allowed, one or the other. But it's whichever one gives you the best installation of the seat that you can do correctly every time and allows the seat to be placed in the seating position where you want it. So the center back seat is the safest seat in the vehicle. And so if there's only one child riding in the vehicle and it works to put a car seat in that position, then, you know, we might, we might, we would explore that option with the family, putting the car seat in the center back seat. And a lot of times you can't use the lower anchors there. In fact, most of the time it's not allowed. You have to use the seatbelt. So I can speak from personal experience. I've been to a clinic at one of the fire stations and I was surprised when they said, take the whole thing out. You're going to put it back in there all by yourself and we're going to watch and help. So it wasn't just a matter of checking to see if the straps were tight or things were in the right spot. It literally was take the whole thing out and we want you to be able to do it on your own. And so I was, I was really impressed with that and it was very helpful. So we do, uh, people are surprised by that. Sometimes that, that we do uninstall the seat or have the family uninstall the seat. There are a couple of reasons for that. One is sometimes there's a misuse that we can't see as long as the seat is installed in the vehicle. So we really need to kind of take it out and and start from scratch. Another reason for that is that usually the seat is installed incorrectly. So I know when you read the national statistics, usually the figure 85% of car seats are installed incorrectly is, is what you see. In my experience, almost every family that I work with, there's something that we change about the way 
they installed the seat or the way they have their child in the seat, one or the other, because obviously both both of those present opportunities for, for making errors. And, you know, we understand it's complicated. I, I tell people it is rocket science. You know, every car seat is different. Every vehicle is different. Every child is different. And so those things don't always match up well. And, and it makes it, yeah, very complicated and frustrating. I've had people come to me before and say, we're going to get a divorce it, unless you help us with this car seat. So <laughs> I know, I know how difficult it is for people. They can be frustrating. I have had many arguments with the latch system trying to get that thing tightened up as good as it uh, could be. And it was really nice to hear you say that, it you know, either one latch or seatbelt. I always felt like the latch was the more secure because auto manufacturers have built that in place. But I actually felt that the seatbelt, I could tighten much better than I could the latch system. So, um, so that was nice to hear you say that. And I would say families often come in using lower anchors and they leave using the seatbelt because it often can be quicker and easier. The other thing to keep in mind is that lower anchors have weight limits and seatbelts don't. Got it. So, you know, if you are using the lower anchors, you need to know what the weight limit is for those lower anchors, which the... um, the rule of thumb that we use is 65 pounds seat plus child and, and beyond that point. So usually that's like a four-year-old um, beyond that point, you need to switch to the seatbelt anyway. So. Okay. Okay. Well, Mark and Nathan and I frequently say on the podcast that really uh, we're just three guys, like all dads, just trying their best, like all parents are. And so uh, no fault to any parent who sets it up incorrectly, but I'm sure you've seen some rather unique setups when you've gone to help folks. Do you have any that it's stick in your head where you think, wow, that that is really not how it was meant to be? And, and uh, any particular crazy setup that you've seen that a parent is trying, but just didn't quite get it right? Okay, so don't try this at home. Um, So I have seen where people have lost parts and pieces to the car seat, like metal pieces, and they've replaced them with a stick or, you know, whatever they could find that that would fit in that spot, which obviously is not going to offer the same kind of protection. Uh, I've seen dads, I will say, a couple of times who've actually put new bolts into their vehicles, into the vehicle floor and added webbing to the car seat and then, and then used the webbing, you know, to attach to the bolt thinking that that would make the car seat safer. Um, Those, those are a couple that come to mind right away. I've seen people break car seats by over tightening them with mechanical ratchets. It makes a really loud noise when the shell of a car seat cracks when you're <laughs> watching watching somebody over over tighten it. But the thing to keep in mind is that every car seat that's for sale in the United States is meeting certain testing specifications that are that are federally set. So we often get the question, what's the best car seat? 
And we say the best car seat is the one that fits your vehicle, that fits your child, and that you can install correctly every time. And then beyond that, you know, you need to look at price point, bells and whistles, you know, whatever, cup holders, uh, the fabric, whatever you think is is best for your family. But any car seat that's sold here um, meets certain certain guidelines. So how can local families get help with this? And what's the best way to find someone like yourself who can walk them through this either in person when safe to do so or via FaceTime or some other means during the pandemic? A lot of people think that you can go to any fire station or any police station and get someone there to help you with your car seat. Well, there are exactly two people in the fire service in Whatcom County who know how to work with car seat. I'm one of them and the other one's in Ferndale. And there are no other, you know, law enforcement or, uh, or fire service people right now who are trained as technicians in this county. And, and that's pretty common that, you know, firefighters, law enforcement officers, they, they'd like to help you um, and they may help you, but they don't necessarily have any expertise outside of anybody else. Um, I do schedule with families and uh, fire district seven, Whatcom County fire district seven, which is Ferndale area. Um, there's a technician there who schedules with families um, we also have techs in Linden, a couple of other ones in Bellingham who primarily work with the school district. So not really available for, for individual, um, individual appointments, but um, people can, can go online. They can search, they can look at safercar.gov, which is NHTSA's website. So National Highway Transportation Safety Administration website, uh, safercar.gov is for families. And there's a ton of information on there about car seats. They have an ease of use rating on there. So if a family is looking for a car seat, they can go to the ease of use ratings on that website and look and see, you know, which car seats are, are easier to put in. But you also can search for a technician on there. So you know, you, you would put in your location and it would bring up technicians nearby and, and how to contact them. That's great. We'll put a link to that in our show notes. And as we all know, having a baby is very expensive and car seats are one of the expenses that go along with having a, a baby or a, a toddler. Is it ever a good idea to buy a used car seat on Craigslist or at a garage sale? Or so that, what do you advise about question. that? There are two things I would say about that. One is we love for car seats to be reused. So car seats have a six to 10 year life. And after your child outgrows the car seat, um, we love for it to be used by somebody else, right? Because it ends up in the landfill it may be recycled, but that's very difficult to do right now because there isn't really a market for plastics recycling right now. So we want car seats to be reused by people who know the original owner. So the answer to your question is no, please don't buy a car seat off Craigslist or at a garage sale. Even if the person who's selling it says it's never been crashed um, you know, they have all the parts and pieces. You don't know for sure any of that 
information. And so, but passing it on between friends or among family members is a great thing to do. Well, when I was a kid, we used to sit in the back of the carpool suburban and sit on the wheel well and try to hold on without falling off. Um, now, of course, today, uh, the idea of seatbelts is a little bit uh, considerably more mainstream, uh, especially for for kids. How old should kids be before they can go out of a car seat or a booster seat? So, so let me kind of talk about that as kids in stages. So we want kids to stay at each stage of riding in a car seat as long as possible. So the first stage is rear facing. So from newborn until at least two years of age, kids need to be rear facing. And it's even safer if they can stay rear facing longer than that. So most car seats on the market now will accommodate rear facing up to 40 pounds, which is a four-year-old. So as kids get bigger and their legs, you know, grow over the end of the car seat and they're kind of bumping up against the vehicle seat, that is not a problem at all. It's not unsafe. It doesn't cause injuries. In fact, it's more comfortable for kids to have their legs supported than to turn them around and have their legs dangling. Um, So kids rear facing at least till age two, that's actually Washington state law and best practice. And then when you do turn them forward facing sometime between the ages of two and four, we want them to stay in a harness, five point harness as long as possible. So most harnesses on the market now go to 65 or 70 pounds. So that's a six or seven year old. So in a harness till they're six or seven, then to a booster seat until they're four foot nine. So Washington state law beginning January 1st, 2020, Um, changed to say that all kids need to be in a car seat or a booster seat until they're four feet, nine inches tall, regardless of age. So that means you could have a 10 year old or a 12 year old who's riding in a booster seat because they haven't hit that four foot nine. I can tell you the Bagley family did it wrong for uh, a lot of years because we faced the peer pressure from our kids. Like, I can't be doing this. You know, I'm in fourth grade now, I can't show up to school in a booster seat. So I'm wondering, Erica, how do you, do you counsel parents on how to deal with your kids with yeah, the whole absolutely. stigma of being and in a booster seat when they're that old? see families when kids are younger, you know, they come in for help with car seats initially. But I also meet with a fair number of families who bring in kids who are in booster seats so that I can talk to the kids about why they need to stay in, in the booster seat. And what I tell families now is as the culture changes, you know, as more and more families are keeping their kids in car seats and booster seats longer, then that stigma won't won't be there anymore. The other thing to know is there are a lot of booster seats, one's called the incognito, (laughs) that that don't don't look so much like booster seats. So they still do the job of boosting the child up so that the seatbelt fits properly, but they don't, you know, they don't look like a, a little kid seat. And it's also against the law. So if you get pulled over, you can get a ticket for your child not being in the proper seating. Is that correct? $126. Yes. And um, kids need to ride in the back seat till they're 13. And I'm kind of surprised by the number of people that's been the law for 14 years. I'm kind of surprised by the number of people who don't 
realize that that's the law. Wow. If we have any listeners out there who'd like to support your program, is that the sort of thing that uh, listeners could make donations to, or is it all just sort of uh, government funded? So donations are greatly appreciated because the program is under Safe Kids Northwest. So NHTSA is the certifying, is the is the administrative body for child passenger safety technicians, but Safe Kids Worldwide is the certifying body. So Safe Kids Worldwide actually produces the curriculum, runs the classes, does the certification. And so each technician is under their local Safe Kids Coalition and ours is Safe Kids Northwest. And um, so donations to Safe Kids Northwest go to help families buy car seats, goes into our fund to, to buy car seats. We earmark it for that. So Erica, we know now that every car seat sold in, in America meets specific safety standards. And there's so many different kinds. It's overwhelming for parents, uh, especially new parents, as to which ones to pick. I would say you're probably uh, an expert in the various kinds of car seats that are out there. Would there be, based on your own opinion, particular accessories or things that you think are particularly helpful uh, in the different car seats? So one thing to keep in mind is that you can't add anything to a car seat that didn't come with it. So covers for the harness, you know, to kind of soften the harness next to the child's neck. Um, pads that go underneath the child or behind their head for infants, all of those things need to come with the car seat in order for you to use them. So I think for families, if they have an idea that they want things like that, then they want to look for a seat that, that has those things. I always suggest to people, um, it's really unfortunate because most of the stores that would allow you to take a car seat you know, model out to your vehicle and try it have closed. So like Babies R Us used to allow that. And we had a couple of local shops that would allow families to do that and they've all closed. So what I suggest to people is that if you have friends that have kids, um, take a look at their car seats and try their car seats in your vehicle to see if they're going to to fit and if it has the the features that that you want. That's a great idea. Also, another question. I always never uh, was sure if it's okay to have a liner or towel or something like that underneath my car seat to keep my upholstery clean from Cheerios and baby food and everything else. Is that okay? So that lots of things vary by manufacturer. And that is one of the things that varies by manufacturer. Some manufacturers of car seats will allow you to put a thin cover down on the vehicle seat to to protect it. Um, Most of them don't allow it because the seats aren't crash tested that way. The seats are crash tested directly on the vehicle seat with nothing between them. So you don't want to introduce any, you know, friction that that wouldn't be there that, that would alter the way it was, it was tested. The other thing to keep in mind is, um, you know, you want the car seat to be installed properly to carry your most precious cargo. 
and a couple of Cheerios or a couple of other things on the seat um, hopefully won't be quite as important as, as making sure that your kids are, are riding safely. That is a good point. However, the underside of a car seat is truly one of the most dirty and disgusting places on earth. That is <laughs> no doubt about it. <laughs> so there are, there are a couple of manufacturers that actually make pads to go with their seats. So if people really want to do that, they can look for those manufacturers and find one that makes a pad to go underneath their car seat. Right on. Well, Erica, this has been great. Thank you so much. This is great information. I have a couple tweaks I need to make in the car before tomorrow morning. Uh, and I hope that our listeners have learned something. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. This was a pleasure. Thank you. It's always great to spread some information. Thanks so much, Erica. Thank you, Erica. Thank you. Whatcom Talk publishes positive community features online about the people, businesses, and organizations doing good things all around Whatcom County. And readers will never hit a paywall or a barrage of ads while visiting the site to read stories or check out its event calendar. Whatcom Talk is a free community resource. Local business owners can partner with Whatcom Talk to sponsor stories on behalf of our schools, organizations, and nonprofits, while also getting a brand in front of the community. So spend a few minutes at www.whatcomtalk.com, and you're sure to find compelling stories that remind you why we all love to live, work, and play in Whatcom County. Parenting Topic Time! All right, this week for our parenting topic, we are going to talk about your kids and their hobbies and how to introduce some of your favorite hobbies to them and what to do if they don't like the same things that you like. So uh, I did a little research, no surprise there, posts to a couple links in the show notes on the topic. One thing I did read said that studies have shown children who have hobbies can actually perform better in academics. Hobbies teach children important life lessons such as teamwork, social interaction, and can enhance their self-esteem. So guys, what do you think would be some of the goals of introducing your kid to a hobby generally? Uh, parent and child quality time. That's important. And I, and I would say, and this goes back to our topic a couple weeks ago, if a kid's doing a hobby, Maybe they aren't in front of a screen, which I think is probably a good thing. I'm going to cross out playing the Wii as a hobby then. <laughs> <laughs> Teaching my kid coding, no good. <laughs> yeah, I think it's all about making that connection. And I think it's harder for some dads than others to find things to connect on. Whatever it ends up being, you know, as long as you're spending time together, I don't think there's a downside to any particular hobby. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And it was interesting when you had mentioned, Nathan, that we were going to be talking about hobbies. Uh, the list of the various hobbies that our kids have, I mean, because there's, of course, the sports and the activities that are kind of the main things they do, but they also paint and they draw. And there are a lot of hobbies that they did that they don't do anymore, you know. And so it's it's been kind of neat to see how eclectic their interests have been and how they've evolved over the years, too. Yeah, I think people tend to introduce their kids to the things that they did or the things that they like. But sometimes I've gone the other way and said, well, I never got to play a musical instrument. Let's 
see if Ellen enjoys that. And so uh, try to consciously go a little bit the other way on a few of these. Yeah, good point. Mark, what, what hobbies uh, did you do with uh, with with Ben and Allie? And were they different because you had a son and a daughter? Did that make a difference at all or matter? Uh, that's a, you know, I was thinking a lot about this. And um, when I was young, my dad was a coin collector. And I never collected coins with him. I would look at his coins and knew about it, but it's not something he and I did together. For me growing up, and still to this day, I'm a sports card collector, and I never really engaged my kids in that. And maybe that's because my dad never pushed his coin collecting on me, so I didn't want to push my card collecting on my kids. I, I don't know. That could be the could be the the, the way. I, I'm not sure. But some things that we've done. Um, I'm into sports, and I've enjoyed sports. And Chris, you said that you know sports is an activity. I kind of look at that as a hobby that Ben and I shared and, uh, you know, watching sports and playing sports and talking about sports. And that's something that he really has continued on and really does enjoy. And with Allie, one thing that she and I really got into was cars. And in the summer, we go to classic car shows and we just love doing that. And we'll find cars for sale online and send those back and forth to each other and say, oh my gosh, if we had the money, wouldn't it be fun to buy this car? And that's kind of become two separate hobbies that I do with each kid because Allie's not big into sports and Ben doesn't care about cars. So we've been able to find these little niches for each other um, in those ways, which has been kind of fun. Yeah, that's cool. You you invited me when Allie was maybe 17, 16 to go to a car show with the two of you. And I thought, what is a 16 or 17-year-old girl going to find interesting about a car show? And she knew her stuff. She knew more than I did. Yeah, she just digs it. It's just something that we really, really enjoy. That's cool. So my dad was big into hunting and fishing, and that never caught on with me. And I, I always sort of had to balance that, you know, was I letting him down? And, you know, I tried many times, and I would make attempts, but it just wasn't something that I picked up on. And I think he did a great job of not pushing it too much. I think there's a point where you have to push it enough that the kid gets exposed to it and can make their mind up. And, you know, if I didn't like fishing at 10, he wanted to expose me to it at 16 and expose me to it when I was 20, just to see if something had changed. But I think it's a fine line. And so I'm a little worried as I try and expose my kids to things, not that I'm going to be particularly upset if it doesn't take, just being able to check myself and say, all right, I'm not going to try and live out my high school, you know, shortcomings in athletics through you. And I'm not going to push you to do this because I think you'll get a scholarship or look good on your resume. Just, you know, putting their interest first, I guess. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think making sure that, uh, that you don't make it your hobby, right? It's about them and their interests. And I think about the hobbies that I had as a kid that my parents certainly, I don't think were really interested in, but they supported. I collected stickers and I collected baseball cards. And for my birthdays and Christmas, they were always buying me, you know, baseball card packets or sets or whatever. And I had sticker albums like crazy. Did they lay down with me and, you know, you know, on the floor and spread out all my baseball cards with me. No, not necessarily, but they supported it. And they, and, and all that time I had with my hobby was still very memorable. Um, and knowing that my parents were supporting me, even though they didn't necessarily actively participate still made a big difference. And one thing that we've, one thing that we've tried to do as a family is find a, a hobby that we can all do together. And, and that's kind of become um, gardening. 
not flower gardening, but vegetable gardening. And you guys know we have a, a big garden here at our house, and it's been something that the kids have really taken to. And you know, when we plant in the spring, Ben will invite friends over to help plant the garden. And then when we harvest in, in the, the summer and fall, both kids will invite their friends over to help us harvest the garden. And it's kind of become our thing as a family together. And what's really cool for uh, Annette and me is to see that the kids have now extended that circle to their circle of friends. And it's something that most families can do, whether you live in the city with a small little yard or out in the, in the county with you know a larger piece of property. Everyone can plant a garden. It's relatively inexpensive and it's pretty easy to do. That sort of leads to the fact that if you have a hobby and your kid doesn't particularly pick it up, it's okay to just come up with a new one that's just for the two of you. My dad took up golf when he was 60 and uh, it was because I was playing. And so even though we didn't click on the hunting and fishing, you know, for the last 15 years, him and I have played golf together. We're not great, but we just have scheduled time to do that. And then we've traveled to watch some golf tournaments. When you guys were introducing your kids to activities and hobbies, did you try and give them sort of a trial period before you went all in? You know, a lot of these things are expensive. You're right, Nathan. You can go down a lot of rabbit holes and spend a lot of money. So I think you really need to um, wade into that pool rather than dive into the deep end right away. Mine was selfish. I bought myself a ukulele so I could learn how to play the ukulele. And every time I pull it out, Lexi was coming and asking if she could play. And finally, I ended up not playing very much because they were constantly taking it out of my hands. And so I ended up buying each of my kids a ukulele so they could uh, they could join in. <laughs> and I most importantly, I could play. <laughs> no, it uh, it was the same kind of thing. Actually, we ended up uh, doing the uh letting them play for a while and see if it was something that they wanted to do. Same thing with biking, right? Like, I mean, mountain bikes are expensive and, and both of my girls have shown interest in biking and uh, their first bikes that they got were not very, you know, they weren't full suspension kind of crazy bikes. Cause I don't want to go spend that money on something that they may not actually want to stick with. So as Mark said, it is a balancing act for sure. So let's toss out a couple inexpensive hobbies that folks could pick up with their kids. One of the links that I've posted has some examples, but as I looked through that list, some of these had never even occurred to me. You could be, it could be a hobby. So for instance, it indicated magic. So you can probably look up magic tricks online. If you get a deck of cards, that's something you could do with your kids. And the other one was yoga. I don't do yoga, but again, there's online tutorials and things you could do with your kids. So those are a couple inexpensive ones that you've probably got all the stuff you'd need laying around the house. Yeah. Yeah. I think just, just using your creativity and, and I would recommend, really rec- recommend getting outside and spending time with your kid outside. Whatcom County has so many opportunities to do things outside in the spring, summer, and fall. And so if you can hike, if you can garden, if you can ride a bike, if you can go bird watching, you know, I introduced our kids to, this is silly, but, you know, skipping rocks up at Semiyamu. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, <laughs> talk about a, a, a really inexpensive way to spend some quality time by the water. Yep. But there's so many outdoor activities that don't cost 
nearly anything that you can really yeah. take advantage of before you really start spending the money. I don't know anything about it, but I, uh, um, a buddy of mine drove by our house just yesterday. I was out washing the car and he was geocaching with his kid. Mm-hmm. Um, I assume that's a pretty affordable thing to be able to do. And for them to be able to spend time together in the car and then get out searching around for things uh, outside is certainly a good hobby for them too. So to recap, introducing your kids to hobbies is one way to spend more time with them, to connect with them. Just make sure you don't push them into your own hobbies, expose them to a lot of things, maybe build in a trial period and just keep an eye out for what they seem to take an interest in. And as always, as a parent, be supportive, make sure you allocate adequate time to do this with them. And then as they get older, just respect that their interests might change and find something new to do with them. All right, tonight on Whatcom Dads Recommend, we're going to share some movies that we like to watch with our kids. Uh, We're going to tell you just a little bit about the movie, what ages it's probably appropriate for, and why we liked it. So I'll I'll kick us off with the first movie I ever got to take my daughter to the theater to see. And if you live here in Whatcom County, you might know that in the summertime, there's dollar movie days uh, at the local cinemas. And so Uh, The one that she got to see was the Peanuts movie. This is the 2015 version of the Peanuts movie. It's uh, rated G. You can catch it on Disney Plus these days. And I would say four and up is probably the good age group for that. And, uh, you know, just Charlie Brown and Snoopy doing silly stuff. And, you know, there's a a moral at the end uh, about honesty and things like that. But, uh, yeah, check out the Peanuts movie for your toddlers. Is the teacher in it? Wah, 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 wah. Absolutely. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Okay, ma'am. Womp, womp, womp. And he still he still never kicks the football. Spoiler alert. <laughs> and does Snoopy still sleep on top of the uh, doghouse? You certainly does. Okay. Uh, well, one of our, our favorite movies that we enjoyed with our kids when they were growing up was watching The Princess Bride. I think most yes. everyone has heard of that movie. It's a PG-er, but it is, it's wholesome. It's a fairy tale. It's got giants and monsters and heroes and villains and a beautiful princess. And it's just a ton of fun. And our kids still love it and know almost every line. That is a very quotable movie. I mean, I think that's the key too, right? Is if you have movies that are super quotable that you can quote with your kids for the rest of their lives. And that is certainly one of them. Yeah. Um, One of the great movies that speaking of quotable movies, a movie that we love uh, is Dumb and Dumber. Um, Our teenage and well, preteen kids. uh, I'm getting a thumbs up from one of them right now, actually. Um, Super quotable, Dumb and Dumber is Jim Carrey and Jeff Daniels. It is truly the dumbest movie uh, ever made, but that is the intention, and it's super funny. And it's about two best friends who have to return a briefcase full of a million dollars back to uh, uh, Aspen, Colorado, and uh, it's their their road trip and uh, experience doing so. So, I've never seen that movie. Some people. Half the listeners are gonna are gonna curse me for it because people either love it or they hate it. I think it's absolutely hilarious. Uh, my second one we watched just about three weeks ago. It is the uh, 2006 version of Curious George. You can find that now on Hulu. 
Again, I'd say ages four and up, it's G-rated. But here are the voices. Will Farrell plays the man in the yellow hat. Uh, Drew Barrymore plays the love interest. And Eugene Levy also voices one of the characters. So uh, some heavy hitters. And then Jack Johnson, the musician, did all the music and the score for it. So uh, No way. Yeah. So the man in the yellow hat discovers George in Africa and uh, hilarity and hijinks ensue. So, uh, yeah, for toddlers, I'd also recommend Curious George, the 2006 movie. Right on. So my second movie, and Chris, this will, I'm sure, warm your heart, but a family favorite is Field of Dreams. Oh. And this started off as me wanting the family to watch it, and it morphed into the kids insisting that we watch Field of Dreams the evening before the Major League Baseball season started. Oh my gosh, that does warm my heart. <laughs> we've we've talked about traditions. Good one. Oh man. Yeah, so what Field of Dreams. Tradition. And just because it's a, a complete fairy, again, another fairy tale. But if you love baseball, if you love simple times, if you love James Earl Jones. Yeah. I, I, I guess a happy ending. I don't know. Is, 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 it, is it a happy ending, Chris? I guess it is. Yeah, I guess. Well, I'm, yeah, everybody don't, don't, has seen it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yes, it is a very happy ending, man. Yeah. Tears so, of joy every time for me. Yeah. So if you haven't seen Field of Dreams, it's a good one to watch, um, whether you're alone or whether you're with a, a family. Our other movie, I actually asked uh, the girls at dinner tonight. Uh, and truly one of our great family movies we really love to watch. We've seen it a thousand times is The Greatest Showman. Uh, I saw the movie in the theater with the kids. We had we knew nothing about it. And I had no idea that it was a musical. We love musicals. I had no idea that Hugh Jackman could sing and dance like he can. Uh, and so we know every song. We sing and dance to the, to the movie. It's a story about P.T. Barnum. Um, and uh, really kind of the, the creation of uh, the P.T. Barnum circus and sort of his rags to riches story. So uh, the cinematography is amazing. The music is amazing. You crank it up and uh, it's just sort of this power ballad, rock, opera. I don't know what you want to call it, but it's spectacular. We love it's, it. It's really, really good. Both yeah. of my kids have seen it and they convinced the net not to watch it because it's so good. So well <laughs> it's done. Good. Yeah. yeah. And it's rated PG. Yeah. Did I ever tell you my dad's tidy whitey story when we were in a hotel room together? It was, uh, this is the great thing about having a dad, right? So I got to miss school for a day or two and go travel with my dad for work. And we would stay the night in a hotel room and we finished watching a movie and he's laying in his bed and I'm laying in my bed. And right after the movie ends, the next movie on HBO starts and it's Rambo and it's rated R. And I'm like, 13 years old and I wasn't allowed to watch rated R movies. And my dad gets up and he goes to the bathroom and brushes his teeth. And the beginning of Rambo is kind of starting and he stands in front of the TV in his tidy whities. And he looks at me and he says, your mom's not going to hear about this. Is she? Said, no, 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 not at all, dad. All right. And he gets into his bed and we laid in, in our hotel room together and we watched Rambo together in your tidy whities in, in, in our tidy whities. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> Thanks again to Erica Littlewood for joining us today. Thank you also to our sponsors, Robinson and Cole Attorneys and Whatcom Talk. There are links to their websites in our show notes. 
Please remember to rate and subscribe to the podcast on your podcast app. Also, please send in ideas for future shows at whatcomdadspodcast at gmail.com. And next week, we will be interviewed by our friend Ross Zimmerman to answer his questions that he has as he approaches the birth of his first child. We'll also discuss how to talk to your kids about death and dying. And on Whatcom Dads Recommend, we recommend places to shop for toys for your kids. So there was this lady, she was close to giving birth, and she walked into a bar and suddenly started yelling, couldn't, wouldn't, shouldn't, didn't, won't, can't. She was having contractions. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'll continue on with that bar theme. So this guy sits at a bar and he orders a beverage and all of a sudden he hears, hey, that is a nice tie. And he looks around and he notices that there's nobody else in the bar except the bartender who's at the other end of the bar. And he kind of shakes his head and takes another drink of his beverage and says, man, you are a good looking fella. And he looks down and he notices that the nuts, they're looking at him and they're talking to him. And he says, hey, bartender, what's up with these nuts down here? And the bartender says, ah, don't worry about it. They're complimentary. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, do you guys know what uh, scholars eat when they're hungry? Nope. No. Oh, oh, they eat, (laughs) they eat academia nuts. (laughs) that's a good one